Unscripted. Unshackled. Uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel. Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. You're a dumbass. Have a wonderful day, okay? Bye-bye now. Holly. I finally got boobs and a butt back. And Scotty the body. Am I not as cool and good-looking as I think I am? The Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. No, my tongue feels too big today. Only from Hot 101.5. Give me Kit Kat or give me death. Tampa Bay's new hit music. Well, howdy. We're back from a good-ass weekend, a much-needed weekend. And today we're going to be talking to Dr. Nate Upshaw. Mm-hmm. If you want to go ahead and get him on the phone, Scott. Uh, but before we get to that, I had a lot of you in the Miguel and Holly fam send us some really cool messages this weekend and sort of ask for some Miguel and Holly stickers because we always say just shoot me an email, mm-hmm. Miguel at hot1015tampabay.com, and we will get you a sticker. And we had another review on our Apple Podcast channel where you can listen to the podcast. This That's is awesome. uh, from Jin San Cast. Okay. Uh, this podcast has the intention to uplift you and offer transformative talks. Mm. Miguel, Holly, and Scott are incredibly well-rounded people who make you feel instantly like they are your friends. They will make you laugh, think about current events, and my favorite part is the self-help and mental health talks they have. I am thankful I found this podcast. Makes me feel good. Like no. we're we're doing something that is actively helping people, even though this started as like a pet project, just to give us more time to talk. Right. It was like way back in 2015, they were like, "You can only talk for two minutes at a time on the show." We're like, "We need, we got stuff to say." Yeah, exactly. So we're just gonna say it out into the abyss. <laughs> And now it, like, helps people. Right? And we've formed this little community just mm-hmm. from the Uncensored Podcast. You pluses. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much. Also, uh, Blacktastic on Apple Podcasts under the review section said, love listening to your podcast. It makes me feel like I'm back in Florida. Oh. So not sure where you are, Blacktastic. But thank you so much for listening. And so glad that we can... Uh, have a little bit of home there for you. Uh, Holly, Mindful Mondays, what is it? Okay, so I have been taking part in something called TMS therapy over at Neurospa TMS, which is a an alternative treatment to for um, depression and anxiety. And I say alternative because typically when you think depression or anxiety, you think, well, got to go get on meds. No, mm-hmm. you don't because a lot of those meds, have other crazy side effects that it may help your depression, but then give you a whole host of other issues. Or maybe those meds don't work for you or haven't been working for you. This is like gentle magnetic pulses uh, to get your brain literally back on the track of being healthy. So that's where I met Dr. Nate Upshaw, who is a psychiatrist who, um, you know, has his own practice, but also works at Neurospot TMS because he believes so strongly in this. And we have a lot in common, and he is able to kind of lend some advice for all of the mental health crises that we've been going through yeah. in 2020. So the reason we do that is once a week, we at least can bring on a professional, an expert, mm-hmm. to um, lend a hand in helping us navigate, as Miguel would say, these mm. difficult waters. <laughs> yes. So today uh, we bring on Dr. Nate Upshaw and and we're going to talk about, and I feel like this may hit home for some members of this show. Who are you looking at, Holly? Hmm? Hmm? 
Who are you looking at? How does alcohol and oh. other substances mm. interact with mental health? Hello. Oh, Miguel. Uh, Dr. Upshaw, welcome. <laughs> hey, good morning. Morning. So apparently you're about to uh, make me feel a certain type of way. Oh. We're about to talk about it because it's been well documented in the uh, trials and tribulations of our lives on the show and podcast that uh, I have gone from what some would say like a social drinker to like, it sometimes I feel like it, it lubricates me uh, to be able to be in certain uh, social situations um, and also just to take the edge off from the day. Right. Uh, so I know that that's something that, you know, uh, it affects you because I probably made this uh, observation maybe two years ago that especially back when I was single and I was drinking like a lot on the weekends. I mean, as soon as I was done with the show on Friday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday fun day is when I was doing that back in the day. Um, I would could tell that I would feel depressed mm. Monday and Tuesday on the show. And then usually Wednesday, I'd be like, ooh, I feel like a new person. I feel great. And then I'd start the cycle all over again on Friday. And I was like, wait, I wonder if it's the alcohol. Is it connected? Hmm. Um, so Dr. Upshaw, to you. Yeah, so this is a this I I love talking about this stuff because it's really interesting and very it's very nuanced and there's actually a lot of biology and research behind it, but it ends up being a very individual question mm-hmm. which you're kind of asking, which is is this a problem or is this not a problem? Like is this something I need to stop or cut back or is this something that's okay? And <laughs> just from what you're telling me there, you know, it, alcohol is a depressant. And so that's, you know, that's what it does in terms of like, you know, the social lubrication and things like that. It's, it mimics a global inhibitory neurotransmitter called GABA, which when you have GABA floating around in high doses, it makes you just feel relaxed and calm. Mm. And so when you, when you use alcohol, it makes you feel relaxed and calm, which in a social situation, if you have a little social anxiety, makes it so you um, are enjoying yourself more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, oh man, I've got a little bit of an echo on my line uh, here. Should we so disconnect and call you back or, or is it a, if it goes away? A oh, it went away. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, it just, it just was there for a second. Okay. okay. Um, so, um, yeah, so, so it can be a depressant. So if you're using it in high quantities, then it wouldn't be surprising that the next day or the next couple days you were feeling more depressed. Right. So how does it work, though? How does it work from, um, like, you know, you have a couple of cocktails and then, like this, you said GABA, and now you're you're feeling relaxed and sort of at ease. How does that work that then, like, where's the line, or I guess it might be individualized, that it goes from making you feel relaxed to depressed? Right. So it has other effects that happen, kind of, we call it, like, downstream. So if you have that much GABA floating around, then it makes other changes in the brain that kind of, ha- so there's a, a certain quantity that you can take as a person um, that it crosses the line, like you said, and it is kind of individual, but we know some good guidelines. So, you know, there's a lot of evidence showing, you know, having a cocktail or two after work might have some health benefits, you know, mental health, it can de-stress you. But after you get past like one or two drinks, and actually <laughs> the criteria is a little different for males and females, Right. Um, but males is a little bit higher, 
But, you know, certainly if you're having three drinks every night or certainly if you're having like eight or ten drinks on the weekend, that's kind of crossing that biological line which you're more likely to get negative effects from it. Oh, yikes. From health and mental health. Yeah. And so what what happens to the mental health part if you do partake in these eight or, you know, X amount of drinks on the weekend? X amount. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So in brain wise, you know, you can feel depressed, you can feel anxious, you can start to even have some withdrawal symptoms because your brain gets used to having this extra GABA stimulation around. And then when it's not there, it's kind of producing a little bit less of its own. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can get these swings where, you know, you have it around and then you don't have it around and your brain's like, what's going on here? Um, Like, are we relaxed or not? Like, tell me what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, I can say that. Exactly. Wow. So, I mean, do you or how do you work this into your mental health regimen, you know, of like self-care and saying no to things and all, you know, whatever that looks like for each of us? I mean, I guess depending upon where you are in your mental health, is it like, all right, I just have one drink or two drinks and then that's it? Well, there's two clues. The first one is, you know, do you get the sense that you're self-medicating and you're using it? As, as a tool or a crutch instead of like, oh, I'm just going out with my friends and, oh, if we drink, we drink. If we don't, we don't. If it starts to have more meaning for you, that's kind of a clue that it could become problematic. Um, and then the, the second one is if you feel like you don't have control over it. So mm. if you're going to go out and you're saying, I'm just going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to take it easy tonight. And you're really like, I really am. I got to get up tomorrow. And, you know, I'm really going to just have a couple drinks. And then you, drink more than you planned. Mm. Or if you're like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm not going to drink this week. And then you can't, you can't, you, you know, you, you just can't do it. So that you've lost control. Hmm. Interesting. And how, how <laughs> Miguel's kind I'm of like, quiet. Yeah. But um, hmm. so for people who may find themselves uh, in those categories that you're talking about now, um, you know, what if we pull back, what's the bigger picture here? If you are using alcohol, uh-oh. Oh. He said, bye. He was like, well, I'll tell you what, and click. <laughs> we'll just get it back home. All right. Um, but I was, I was basically, you know, going to see what the bigger picture is and what it looks like and how do you go from there. Um, I this, this, It's so interesting to me because I've always wondered – if I could be classified as one of those, um, uh, what is it, not working alcoholics, functioning. functioning alcoholics where, you know, I don't get drunk every night. Like when I drink during the week, like I may get tipsy, but I'm never drunk. Mm. Um, that only happens on the weekends. Mm, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Get back home. But then that may be even too much because, I mean, you shouldn't be drinking to get drunk. But that's how our generation, you know, dealt with alcohol. Like when I was in college, my first sort of uh, thoughts or or, or, uh, people seeing people on it was you get wasted. I mean, I remember in college, everyone would be like, girl, it's Thursday night. We want to get wasted tonight. Yeah. And that was the norm. But then like when I became an adult. Right. And then I would say like, oh, my gosh, it's Friday. I can't get I can't wait to get wasted. Yeah. And then like the older adults would be like, wait, what? Yeah. What are you trying to do? And I'm like, isn't that why you drink? And they're like, no, no. And I, I remember this is when I knew that our generation was probably screwed when it comes to like our attitudes around alcohol, 
there was a receptionist. Her name was Miss Bonnie. And we were chatting, and it was, like, a Monday, and I was, like, hungover. And she was like, baby, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I had a lot of drinks last night. And this is when I was 21, 22, so I was only drinking Long Island at the time. Oh, And I wow. probably had, like, five the night before or that weekend. Like, I got I got a little nauseous thinking know, about right? five Long Islands. Uh, I haven't had one in so long. <laughs> and she was like, you had how many? And I was like, yeah, I had five Saturday night. And Miss Bonnie was like, I can count on both hands how many drinks I've had in my life. And I've never been drunk before. She was like, I may have like half a glass of wine or something like that. And I'm like, oh, but like, why do you drink? And she goes, well, maybe to relax. She's like, my husband drinks to relax after work. But that's about it. And that's when I realized that, whoa, how I see alcohol is completely different from some other generations. And it was like when my eyes were opened. Yeah. Um. Dr. Upshaw, Holly had a question before we lost you. Oh, that's right. So uh, let's say someone is uh, feeling like they're in that category of not being able to keep it to two drinks when they go out or, you know, are sort of leaning on it to take the edge off in social situations. What does that mean for someone like that? And, you know, what would be a good suggestion for what to do? Yeah, what it may mean for someone who's in that situation is that that alcohol m- might start having some negative consequences in their life. Um, so it might be messing with their relationships. They might be giving up things that they would normally do that were healthy for them, like exercise or certain friendships, to to use the alcohol. And when that starts yeah. happening, it's, it, the alcohol really has started to diminish your quality of life. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we look at. And there's, a, there's another little piece to the equation that's really interesting. There's some biology to this where there are some people, when they get that two or three or four drinks in, they start to feel like, you know, tired, like, oh, maybe I've had too much. Maybe I'm going to slow things down. And so they have kind of a natural place where they stop. There are some other people that are biologically wired and a, and a switch gets flipped and they're like, this is awesome. This is, I feel amazing. Mm. And they're getting like this extra hit of dopamine. And those are the people that are really at high risk to develop an alcohol use problem because just when they should be shutting things down is when this kicks in and they feel like they're getting this extra something from it. And that leads to the the problems like blacking out and other things happening. Man, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put myself in that category. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember one time uh, when uh, I was visiting Atlanta, my best friend and I were going out one Saturday night when I was visiting for something like that. Friday night, we'd gone out drinking, and then we went and did stuff that afternoon, and we got ready, and we were going to someone's house, and it was like 8 o'clock at night, and I remember looking at him and being like, I'm tired, you're tired, why are we going to go keep drinking and doing this over again when we could just do something Mm -hmm. that doesn't involve it? But as soon as we have that first drink, it's like, yes, baby, I am alive and I'm ready to live. Yeah. So is it just recognizing that you are one of those people and making sure that you have that cutoff point, Dr. Upshaw? It is. I mean, once you so obviously I know about this stuff, so I've observed it in myself and I don't really have this. And I'll be out people with people who do. And, you know, we'll get a few drinks in and then I'll be like, yeah, I got to get up tomorrow and I'd rather stop now so I can have a, a good exercise session in the morning or something like that. And I can just see it kick in. 
in them. And I'm like, oh boy, you know what? <laughs> what are we gonna do now? Yeah. So, so is it so, by the way, yeah. is it awkward being that person that knows the cutoff and their body is like, <laughs> okay, I'm done. And then you look around, and your group of friends is like, we just getting started. <laughs> like, what is that like? Because I imagine it's horrific. Yeah, well, I mean, I can shut off the psychiatry part of me most of the time, so I'm trying not to think about it, but I've noticed it a few times, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, wow. But, but yeah, so it's really tricky to get help for this because I've had a lot of people just, they're like, I'm done. I, I got to stop. And, you know, they do, and, they, and they're happier and they're healthier, but then, like, our social stuff is really set up around alcohol so they'll be like a medical sales rep or something and they'll be out with a client and it's just really hard mm. to to do that classic you know sobriety i'm not going to and that works for a lot of people and when that works it's great it's a it's a great solution yeah. but people who are kind of in the middle trying to mitigate this it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing and what it ends up being is usually just swings where you do really well for months and months and months, and then you know all of a sudden it gets out of control again, and you recognize it, try to rein it back in, and that's kind of what happens from a practical standpoint for most people who are kind of in the middle. Now we're living in a world pandemic right now, where people are stuck at home. We're in what month five or six of dealing with it. It and feels like five years. I don't seriously. Know. We're all having a rough time. And a lot of us are medicating, self-medicating with alcohol. What should we know or do? Or is there anything, you know, we've talked about what it does to your body, but like, how is it affecting us more deeply now that we're living in such a crazy time with the pandemic and social unrest, an election that's coming up and political strife that we're going to, that's going to be heating up more and more. And I feel like we need something that'll make us feel better or that will make us not think and feel about everything that's happening in the world. You know, how is this going to be affecting us as we get further along into this? Yeah, I think just from a practical standpoint, well, first of all, I don't know where the stats are now, but I think at the beginning of this, alcohol sales have gone up by like 300% or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. crazy. And so, again, I don't know what and, it is too, but it, I know that it's up. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, that's what people are doing. It's kind of like an extended hurricane party or something. It's yes. just like, what else are we going to do? And so I think at this point, you have to take a practical approach and you just have to make sure it's not getting out of control for yourself. And just this may be something that you get back more control again when things return to normal. So, you know, the two things, again, to look for is to make sure that you don't feel like you've lost control, that if you want to take a night off, you can or you're not taking in more than than you intended. Um, And then to make sure it's not doing anything negative to your relationships, your work. You know, you're still able to, I guess, log on to your Zoom call on time. Right. Um, you're, you're not, you don't have a cocktail hiding behind your computer, you know, and if you, if, if things have swung too far to, to get some help, I mean, I'm not an addiction specialist, but I, I, we do have one in our practice, Dr. Robin, he's great. And he just has so much experience with this. He can really talk to an individual and give them some clues about how they can handle things better. So there are specialists um, who deal with this um, and there's programs too. So if you feel like you've, you've lost control and it's affecting your life, you should reach out for help. But otherwise, you know, maybe yourself, just give yourself, you know, a, a time frame on this and just understand that that is going to be maybe something that you do a little bit more than normal, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily become a huge problem for you. Right. It's just something to take a look at. No, it totally makes sense. I mean, I feel like with anything, 
you know, that you notice that you're doing in excess right now that, okay, maybe I'm going to fast food too much or I'm whatever the case may be that's harmful to your body. That you're not doing in moderation. Right. It's something to take a look at. Yeah. Well, interesting. Mm. You've given me some things to think about, Dr. Upshaw. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'll just I'll just lay this one out here for you a little bit, too. We didn't even touch on um, the marijuana epidemic that's going on right now whoa epidemic is, let's let's reel it back yeah, oh, and yeah. not not get off the phone yet then so oh, hold on let me sit an, down for this one an epidemic oh god well i did read that because i mean florida where we are is a state where it is legal for medical use um so have is there an epidemic going on i mean i know that the um yeah, so us psychiatrists think this is going to be the next opioid crisis in a few years because what's happened is, and I, I, I won't keep you guys too long, but I did want to, like, as a public service announcement, just drop this out there a little bit for people to start thinking about. It's probably about a fourth of my practice now is adolescents and younger people. So a couple quick points. Number one, your brain kind of seals over around age 26. But before that, um, THC, which is kind of the psychoactive property of marijuana, has a really detrimental effect on developing brains. Um, so if you're an adult and you're using marijuana recreationally or you know a few times a week or something like that, it's probably not as a big deal. But in young people, it's having a really dramatic negative effect. And there's a bunch of studies that back this up that have come out of the last year or two. Now that it's legal so many places, we've been able to study it. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, I'll just leave you with, with kind of this. Marijuana used to have a one-to-one ratio of CBD, which everyone's probably heard about. That's the that's kind of the medicinal property. Mm-hmm. Right. That's THC. the non-psychoactive brand. Like you could just do CBD oil, not getting high, just using it for its medical benefits. Right. And it has a ton. So it's basically like an anti-inflammatory. So it just generally helps with everything. Um, and it has some modulating effects of what THC does. Well, now the stuff that's out there is like even the strains of like the, the flower and the bud that you're getting not even the stuff that's concentrated that you can get medically. It's got like 60, 70, 80% THC in it. So people are taking this in and it's just having a very different effect than the stuff that was around before had. And just for, for kids, for example, there was a huge study in Montreal that was like, uh, think about 3,000 kids from seventh grade through high school. Mm. And what they studied is their cognitive effects on executive functioning, memory, IQ, and all of the scores went down in people who were using regularly. Mm. And what happens is, is, is that, you know how young kids can learn languages really easily? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is as your brain gets older, there's a natural protein that goes around pruning the brain and strengthens connections you're using and gets rid of connections you're not using. Well, THC kind of mimics that protein, but it just prunes stuff indiscriminately. So it's just going around and like just killing off connections and not strengthening healthy ones and getting rid of ones you aren't using. So it's literally causing um, brain damage for people who are younger. And the stuff that's out there is much more concentrated. So um, then the other thing is it's so strong now that people are using it. And then in the morning or the next day, they're actually withdrawing from it a little bit. And then they have to use it to feel good again. But they don't realize that's what's going on. And they start thinking that marijuana is the only thing that's making them feel okay. But really, they're having this subtle withdrawal from it. And the only thing, none of this was around a few years ago because it wasn't as prevalent. And so people don't even know about any of this stuff. And so, you know, I have this conversation in my practice all the time. But I just, 
you know, I know we're not going to be able to get to the bottom on this phone call, but I did want to put that out there for everyone to kind of look like Google it and look into it a little bit because it's, it's kind of crazy what's going on with it. So if someone, even if they are over the age of, was it, did you say 26? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, if they are, they have their medical card and they are taking the, uh, medicinal marijuana, they should still look into what are some of the side effects. Right. I mean, it's so interesting because about four or five years ago, I was super excited about this and I was going to get my um, license to prescribe medical cannabis to my patients mm-hmm. as a psychiatrist. But once I started reading all the research, you know, it can just as likely make mental health issues worse as better. And so people who come to me usually have been through a lot of treatment and have a little bit worse condition. So to me, it was just another variable. Now, there are people out there who, who use it appropriately and it helps them and it's not causing them problems. But the idea that's kind of out there right now is this is completely safe and there's no chance it's doing me any harm. Mm -hmm. And it's really a discussion more like the alcohol, right? Where, you know, for some people, it's something that helps them and it's fine. And for other people actually could be causing them problems. But usually when someone comes to me, they hadn't even considered the possibility that the marijuana could be causing them any problems. Mm, interesting. And it's I would say it's extra important to talk to younger people about that. Yeah. Because I think there's a huge misconception where if you're getting quote unquote like, you know, medical grade marijuana as opposed to oh just buying it off the street or whatever, that you're safe. And if you have like if you are someone who has teenagers or even if you know or if you are in your early 20s, know that it's going to impact you differently than someone, say, in their 40s. Right. And I'm not here to demonize it either. I lived out in Boulder, Colorado for a year, and it's recreational legal, and it's, that's what people do. Right. And so it's it's probably on a case-by-case basis safer than alcohol. I mean, you don't get intoxicated. You know, it's it's different. And But when you're using it on a daily basis, especially the stuff that's out there right now, it, it's, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I mean, with anything, if you are putting a mind-altering substance in your body, whether it's marijuana or uh, alcohol, it's going to have an effect on your body. Right. And your mental health. Correct. So that totally makes sense. And so, yeah, I should have qualified about the epidemic. It's really among the young people because, you know, what what used to be is young people used to kind of rebel by drinking alcohol. Um, and you know, you can't, unless there's an extreme case, you can't really drink alcohol every day as a young person and like go to school after drinking alcohol or get off school and go drink alcohol. It's like limited to the weekends and it was dangerous. People drive drunk. They do stupid stuff. They fight, but the marijuana, it's so easy for some of these kids, especially with some underlying anxiety or depression to slip into this daily use pattern, um, of really high concentrations that is really wrecking their brain in ways that we're just starting to understand over the last year or two. Good to know. Some good information. So I don't mean to be a bummer. No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, we'd rather know. have the info. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, this is stuff that people need to know. If you are a teen listening and you have been, you know, getting into your friend or your parents, you know, uh, medical-grade marijuana stash, then you should know what it's doing to your brain or if you're drinking. I mean, these are, to me, I always feel like when you get this information, it's up to you to make that personal decision on what you're going to do with your body, but you should be armed with the information so you can make the proper decisions on how you deal with your body and what you're putting into it. Right. So, no, this is good information. Thank you. Oh, did we lose you? 
Yeah, no, I'm here. I just I I always I always feel so like like a lecturing parent sometimes when I really lay out the marijuana <laughs> stuff. Because no. It's just not where everyone's at right now, and they're like, "Who's this guy telling me all this stuff?" <laughs> like, why are you trying to break? I was just like, "Ooh, I don't have to drink anymore because I got my edible." But uh-oh. No. uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, uh, it's good to have the info and pass it along to especially the younger people. Absolutely. So thank you so much. Thank and, you, Doctor Upshaw. Yeah, we're glad you could uh, make it on the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you. Bye. Mm-hmm. Well, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> we screwed. No, I mean, I listen, with anything, it is a, a substance that you are putting it into your body. Yes. And we've never really talked about it a lot on this show um, because I just don't know people's opinions and we just never well, wanted to like. It's still sort of taboo. It is. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like right on the line of, you know, I'm starting to see more people talk about, oh, I have my medical card. I got my pen or my edible mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Right. And I'm like, well, this is different. This is interesting. I, I'm not used to this. And I mean, even my thoughts around marijuana have changed because when I was younger, I was super against it. I was super, super against it because of some stuff that happened in my family and people that were selling it and went to jail and risked a lot for it. And I was like, nope. I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. But then as I saw that it was starting to sort of roll out medically and recreationally, and I started doing my own little research on what it does to your body, and I'm like, okay, this is like an alternative to alcohol. But I sort of – I put it in that category of nothing that you take is absolutely safe. If you are putting something in your body, I don't care what it is, there's going to be a long-term effect on it. Like I take an anti-acid pill. I'm pretty sure because I've been taking it now for Lord knows how many years. I'm going to deal with something when I'm older. I know they, there's uh, every pill has some kind of side effect. Absolutely. So alcohol, pills, marijuana, it's going to have some sort of effect on you. Yeah, there is a cause and reaction. There just is. Um, but I think it's interesting to be at least armed with that knowledge because in my mind, it is safer yeah. to do Marijuana, if you're looking for like a week, if you're using it recreationally, and let's say you want to just like post up at the house, you post up in the house and you, you know, do some weed of of whatever variety, Mm -hmm. not going anywhere. Right. You're going to sit your ass at the house and you're going to put on like, you know, some nonsense on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Whereas sometimes more often, I would say, I don't have stats with me, but my guess is that more often you post up at the house, you start drinking Mm -hmm. and then you're like, wait a second. I want to go to my friend's house. Mm-hmm. And then you go because right. yeah. it's just a different decision-making part of your brain. Right, right. Wow. So does this make you think about either of these two vices and you're partaking in it in the future? Well, yeah. Um, but more so <clears throat> since I'm over 26, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to, you know, continue to do what I do because I don't. I have my medical marijuana card. Right. Sorry. We're going to go out there. and say it. Yeah, get it, Holly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I hate that. Like, I feel like I can't talk about it because then, you know, you just, you, you're you just prepared to fight with somebody. Right, right. And if I have to, I will. That's fine. But I do. And so what I use that for is typically, like, when I'm having, like, bad anxiety mm-hmm. or, like, weekend recreation. Right. And I'm not one of these people, I mean, rarely 
to be like getting super crazy. I used to, when I was going through a very, very difficult time last year, I would do it every night right. because I, that I, my anxiety and my like trauma was so high. Mm-hmm. So it was like a nightly thing. Right. But ever since, I don't know, I, I don't know when it kind of turned over to just weekends, but it put me in a better headspace during the week mm-hmm. because you don't feel quite so foggy. Right. Scott? I'm mean, Absolutely. I think about these things all the time. I mean, I don't really drink really at all, like every now and then I do. But I mean, I've also just I've seen it through my family of like it just tears people apart. And mm-hmm. it was, it could I've seen it wreck people's lives. And I'm like, OK, like I always keep that in the back of my mind now anytime I even drink. So that's kind of on the back of my head, too. It's weird with the whole marijuana thing, because literally I was just talking to my buddy about this the other day because he lives in Colorado. Mm. And we're talking about I'm like, you know. In our past, like, five years, when this stuff started becoming more legal, it was always under the thought of, like, well, it's, like, like, what are the bad things with it? Like, okay, like, obviously, if you smoke it, you're still smoking, you know? Yeah, in your lungs. It's lungs, of course. Mm -hmm. But I just, I literally, until he just said that, I was like, it can't be that bad. Like, I haven't seen anything with it, but it makes sense because, obviously, if there's not studies being done because it's not legal, how are we going to have this information? So that's just kind of mind-blowing to even wrap my head around because in my head, I was like, that is, like, a much better alternative for people that are like either popping pills to take away pain or anxiety or whatever that realm looks like because we've seen those studies on how that could rip people apart too. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. I do want to dive more into that and kind of look at those studies and read about it because, whoa, if that's the case, hold the brakes because, I mean, again, like if I was ever going to get a like a card for medical marijuana down the line, like that's going to like be in the back of my head on where do I go with this and how do I, you know, go about it because there's just like what do you do to take and help yourself in I guess different circumstances like right now like I struggle with trying to like get enough rest like I have a major problem of like as soon as my head hits the pill I can work all day long I'm like okay bed by nine and I'm like boom all of a sudden my mind's like oh this that what about this idea and I'm like going to my phone and I'm like writing these notes down because I'm like why am I so creative at 9 15 at night when this mm. is the one time I need to go to sleep right and so I do want to find that alternative where I'm like able to like okay it's nighttime pass out but I don't want to drink at night like no and I have recently I was just thinking about this while Dr. Upshaw was talking it's like I'm starting to put to- together the pieces that I do have like minor addictive personalities like where you know even probably a couple months ago where I was doing, like, wine nights, mm-hmm. and I noticed, it probably wasn't even an addiction, but I noticed that I would think about it. It was the thought that was roaming in my head of, like, ooh, you know what sounds good tonight? A glass of wine. I was like, ooh, you know what sounds good? And I was like, I was like whoa, hold up a second. Like, it's a slippery slope that if I just kind of bite that vice, and I'm like, all right, let me go ahead and get it, or uh, let me get tired, let me have a glass of wine, then next thing you know it, I'm doing all the time. Right. And so that's, like, I literally put a stop to it. I was like, nope, I'm going to take a step back, not going to buy it, not going to do anything like that, because I'm like, that's a little bit, because it, it runs in my family, that little bit of an addictive personality. So I'm like, let me not even fall into that. But if I'm not doing anything in, like, that range, because I definitely don't want to just drink alcohol to fall asleep, how do I, you know, what can I do for these things, for those anxious thoughts, for those roaming things that are going in my head right. when I'm trying to get rest? So that's mind-boggling on just the studies that they found with marijuana, because I did not know that was the case on what it did and how bad it was for your brain, I guess, if it's, you know, that strong. If you're young. Yeah. I mean, listen, like I said, anything you do 
it's going to have a negative effect. I don't have to be a doctor to know that. But I just think you have to use everything within reason. And I feel like for me, that's been the case when it comes to alcohol is, you know, there'll be a week where every night I'll have a seltzer or two or it was wine or it's a vodka drink. And then there'll be a week where I'm like, you know what? I don't want it. I'm good because I don't want to have that sort of like groggy feeling the next day. But you have to be armed with the information to know what it's doing to your body. Right. So you can make the proper choices on exactly what you want to put into your body and how you want to feel the next day. Because I know that, you know, in the past, like before a CrossFit competition, that week leading up to it, I'm not going to drink anything. I'm going to be try to be as good as possible. So my body is operating, you know, at 100, as close to 100% as possible because there's a lot of mush and gush inside of my body right now. Um, And so you just have to know that going into it. And there was a time that, yes, I have taken edibles before where I felt like, hmm, I noticed that I'm feeling very, like, moody and, and dark and there's something going on with the chemicals in my brain and I can, like, feel it. Okay. Because it's affecting it. Like, it's affecting what's happening up there, the the chemistry or whatever. Um, and so I'm like, all right, so now I know that. I know that if I take it, this is the effect I'm going to have, and I have to make that judgment call you before do. I do. And it's good to have all the info before you do. And like he said, a lot of the problem comes in with with marijuana especially because, like I'm guessing for college kids or whatever, you didn't necessarily drink every single day. Right. Like, your body just wouldn't permit it. Right. Mine wouldn't. Right. It was like, girl, you won't die. Right. But with weed, you don't get, like, that hangover mm-hmm. like you would. And so you're like, oh, this is fine. Yeah. It's easy. I'm just going to do this. Well, you do it every single day, mm-hmm. and then you are seeing, you know, over time, look what happens. Whereas if you don't have that addictive personality, which I think a lot of people do, mm-hmm. or if you're really good at being able to say, hey, I'm living in moderation, then, I mean, have a couple seltzers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, grab an edible if it's a weekend and you're not planning on doing anything except watching the Food Network like I did this weekend, whatever. Oh. Uh, which is dangerous, <laughs> by the way, because then I was I wanted everything that say, they were cooking. Like, you just feel like you want to eat your TV at that point. Correct. So that's yeah. another thing you got to watch out for. But um, it's just interesting to see that they have these studies now and how it's impacting different generations of people. And like Dr. Upshaw said, you know, it does, medical marijuana can work in good ways for some people for various disorders. I mean, I'm talking mental or physical, Mm -hmm. like cancer patients or things like that. And in those instances, it's so important to have that medical marijuana. So it just, you really, more information is not a bad thing. Right, right. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see how everyone handles the weekend coming up um, after talking to Dr. Upshaw about what's going to happen in your body afterwards. But, you know, he makes a good point, though, is it is like when he was talking about epidemics, you had those people that got hooked on like Oxycontin and stuff. Mm -hmm. And look how terrible that was. Mm. I mean, that's not the same thing. Right. But like the more you know about it, the better choices that you could make. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've always said to myself is, you know, I've always joked that, you know, I've never done the, the complete um, dry January. Like I've done like two or three weeks during it. And I don't think probably since the last time I tried to do dry January that I've gone more than two or three weeks without alcohol. Um, but I never let it get in the way of life. You know, like 
like we've had gigs before or like club nights where I had a CrossFit competition the next day and I didn't drink. Mm. You know, I was like, all right, I'm in a club. I'm so awkward right now, but I have a responsibility tomorrow to my teammates. So I'm not going to have a drink. So I always know that I can say no if I need to. And that's always sort of my line as if I feel like it's impacting relationships or work. Like if Abe was like, I don't want to drink anymore or I want to go a month without drinking, I'd be like, all right, cool. Let's do it together. That's fine. It's going to suck on the weekends probably because we're going to have to find some other activities to do, but I can do it and I'm not going to protest it. But the moment when I'm like, well, girl, oh no, I'm going to still have to have my drink. That's when, for me, I've always said that's when I know that there's an issue happening. Mm, okay, makes sense. Haven't hit that point just yet, thank God. And that's okay. It's just, it, and we, it's a good time to talk about this. I'm glad this was the topic today because in this pandemic, it's like life is hard. Right. By itself. Right. Without all this added stuff going on where, again, and we talked about this in a previous podcast, people's fear has turned to anger mm-hmm. and there's just, everybody is just like out to get you, it feels like. Right. And you so, just want to feel good. Yeah. You it's just want to feel good. It's really hard. And I had, that was me on Thursday night and I came in and I felt like absolute garbage on Friday and apologies to you guys because like, it was just like, I'm, I'm floating. I'm okay for the most part, but like. With the pandemic and then, you know, school's starting back up and my mom is like, uh, like on overdrive of being slightly crazy. Mm. And I don't mean like I I apologize for saying crazy, but like it just is too much to get into it. Like not there cognitively sometimes and just is very toxic for me personally. So we have all this going on. And then Thursday we had a plumber come out because her toilet's not working. And he's like, this whole bathroom basically has to be ripped up and it could cost about $20,000. So I was like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. That, yeah. that happened. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm going to just drink and yeah. have my edibles yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. And I started early because my daughter wasn't home and mm-hmm. I would never do this if my daughter was home, obviously. Right. But my daughter wasn't home. So I started like 430 and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> I'm just going to numb. I'm, and like I, ch- right. I was like, I'm numbing for a minute right. because this feels like it's too much for me right now. And right. it's not like something like that happens on the daily right. or on the weekly even or monthly. But I was just like, that's it. And I knew that I wasn't going to feel great. But I woke up Friday and I was like, what Ooh. is happening right now? Right. That wasn't a fun, fa- uh, fun place to be. But that was my choice. Right. And we are in a time right now where you just... It feels like there's so much coming at you so quickly. Yeah. And, you know, when I look at the new, if I open up Instagram or Facebook and there's like, you know, the government's doing this and people are protesting this and this is happening. And it's just like, and like, there's nothing that you feel like you can do. And you're like, I literally just want to sit and just not feel because I I take in all of that stuff when I see people typing and writing and going back and forth with stuff or when people call me and they just like emotionally dump and I'm like, oh, my God, now I feel way worse than what I did when you first called me, which is why I'm trying to be like, hey, you know what? Like, I know you're in a bad place right now and normally I can like listen to it and I can take it. But right now I'm gonna have to cut you off. Because you're yeah. going to make the rest of my day shitty. Those are boundaries. Yeah. I'm learning about boundaries, and they're very difficult. Like, it's like you have to 
you have to fortify them multiple times throughout the day. Right. It's not like, and I'm, I really hate when I'm not good at stuff. I'm not good at this. Mm. So it just takes practice. But it's like I expected to do it once and then be like, Good. All good. Right. Check out my badass self with my yeah. boundary that I put up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's not how that works, which right. sucks because if I don't get something right away, I get really frustrated, then typically I just give up because mm. I, I can't stand the thought of losing or not being perfect at something, mm. which, by the way, having boundaries would help with that. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's a vicious cycle, but like it's like multiple times a day, your boundaries get tested. Mm. From like, for example, my mom freaking out about her dentist appointment, which was at eleven o'clock this morning. Mm-hmm. So I had it everything set up. My person's gonna go take her. The damn dentist, and it's not their fault, but like they called her at nine thirty, and they're like, "Hey, we can get you in at ten fifteen if you want to come." Oh, oh no, no, no! How do you think that went? A meltdown. A complete and utter meltdown. Yeah. And that started everyone's off day, everyone's day off terribly. So it's like, where are the boundaries? Right. So it's just daily and you never know when it's going to come at you. But that's why putting in place good boundaries, like Mm -hmm. with a friend who's going to dump emotionally on you or whatever, um, is so important because that's how you get through life without self-medicating all the time. Right. Absolutely. That's how... And it's hard. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying, like, life is hard. Right. So going through it and feeling all the things, there's nothing wrong with you for feeling that out of control or whatever because it's hard. Right. But then, you know, you can you deal with it in several ways, and it's probably not healthy to deal with it by numbing yourself all the time. Mm, no, because you're not thinking, you're not digesting, and it's just a Band-Aid until the next time somebody does something that knocks you off. And then your life has slipped away in a haze of drugs or alcohol. Yeah. And that's, and I mean, I remember back in the day, it wasn't marijuana, but when I was taking the sleeping pill Ambien when yep. I first started, and there was like a little cycle to where it was like a two month span where I was taking Ambien to go to bed. And then they had this pill for, um, for third shift workers that basically like wake up in the middle of the night or a work overnight where it gives you energy. And so I was taking a pill to go to bed oh, and then God. I was taking a pill to wake up. And I was like, after two months, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I don't want to live my life taking pills to fall asleep and to wake up because when does it end? Like, I've got to learn how to fall asleep, how to get energy and do other things to make myself feel better. I mean, you're always just going to feel like crap if you wake up in the middle of the night. Like, there's just no way around it. Your body is not meant to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're going against nature. Right. But you can do everything possible to make it as easy as possible and to help your body float into the day um, and to sort of naturally get you going as opposed to, oh, well, I feel tired. I'm going to pop a pill to feel better. It's just not going to work that way. Right. And I was going to say to you, Scott, please don't get on Ambien, whatever you do. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm very cautious what I put in my body. (laughs) That with Miguel. And we didn't even know at the time. We thought it was hilarious. We're like, oh, my God, Miguel's crazy at night because he takes Ambien. Yeah, that's not good. Um, But, yeah, so I would say, you know, I know you know this already, but Ambien's probably not a good route. No, no, I I'm, I actually am going the route of downloading Calm, the That's app. That's good. Oh, good. And I'm probably about to pay for it for the year because... Those types of things are really good oh, at I'm relaxing trying. you, though. I'm finding a new way. It's just weird. It's just like that's the time where I'm like... All right. And I work my ass off all day, and I should be tired, and I am. But then all of a sudden, I close my eyes, and I'm like, oh, damn, what about that? All right. I wonder if Miguel's mad at that. Uh, <laughs> are we going to cover that tomorrow? And then I'm like, next thing you know, it's like 10.30. I'm like... 
And then I get anxious because I'm like, well, now I only have four hours of sleep mm. and the time's ticking. And so right. every minute that I'm up longer, I get more anxious. Yeah. It's just a vicious cycle that, you know, I was good in the beginning. I don't know why. It's probably because of everything happening right now in the world. But I've noticed that I just lay down and all of a sudden I'm like, whew. What about melatonin? I did it's, take it for a little isn't bit. is pretty, a couple years pretty ago. safe across the you board? You could overdo it, though, Oh, too. yeah, overdo I mean, melatonin. with anything, you could obviously, yeah. like, you know, throws off your brain cycle with producing its own. So mm-hmm. I also did stop taking that, which it wasn't a lot. It was like a little tiny bit to help me. But I'm finding different routes. I mean, I just, I feel like for melatonin, like I've done that in the past, too, that whatever you take, because the fact that we wake up so early, you're always going to get that sort of residue the next morning mm-hmm. where when I did take melatonin, I was like so... So groggy the next day. Probably you weren't getting enough no. sleep. I mean, you'd have to go to bed at like 6.30, 6 o'clock <laughs> in order to, to fully get, get that yeah. seven, eight hours of sleep to get it out of your system by the time you wake up. Yeah, because you're supposed to get about seven hours mm-hmm. as an adult. And that's what, you know, it's a, if they, they bank on that in order to make melatonin work. Right. Like they're like, if, if you know, you'll go to sleep easier and then you should stay asleep. And, and the, melatonin doesn't keep you asleep, by the way. Mm. You can still wake up in the middle of the night. But it's just you're supposed to be getting more sleep than like four hours. Yes, and that's what I usually get, which I have this new app that I've had for about a month now where I wear my Apple Watch on at night and it tells me like when I'm getting REM sleep and when I wake up or if like I fart or something crazy happened. And I'm like, God, no wonder bags under my eyes are starting to show because I get no sleep. No, I had a Fitbit for a while. And I would track mm-hmm. my sleep, and it was so disheartening and just depressing yeah. to see how much sleep I don't get. Because I always round it. Right. Like, in my head, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I go to bed at 10, and then I wake up around, like, 4.30 or 5. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, in reality, yeah. it's like you didn't fall asleep until about 10.47. <laughs> <laughs> and then you woke up like seven times throughout the night and then you peed and then mm-hmm. you had to get your daughter. And then like finally you actually woke up the first time at like four and then you actually got 2.5 hours of oh sleep or something. God. It's like something crazy. Yeah. But I was like, I'm just not going to do this anymore. No, it's kind of scary to look at. Made me at. sad. Uh, Holly, what's all your social media? Radio Holly on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And Holly on Hot 101.5 on Facebook. Scott. At Scott Tavlin, S-C-O-T-T-T-A-V-L-I-N on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Miguel Fuller, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and Radio Miguel is my Facebook page. Make sure to leave us a review on Spotify, or if you are listening on the Apple Podcast, leave us a review, subscribe, and we will see you next week. Bye. Catch up on previous episodes of Miguel and Holly Uncensored now on the Hot 101.5 app or on iTunes on your smartphone. It's Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Quarantine edition from Hot 101.5. Made hot by Corona Beer.